Hello, I'm Paddy and welcome to Thoughts Not Spoken. Today we're going in a little bit deeper into the topic of language um, with my special guest who, rumour has it, has swam in the shallow end once. Is of course my older brother, Michael Hunter. Hi Michael, how's it going? Hi Paddy, how's, how's things? <laughs> yeah, good, good. Um, so just for, for the listeners, we... Um, this podcast is called Thoughts Not Spoken, and um, we're just going to break that down and ask you a question to start. Uh, so, like, what way do you, do you think? What way do you uh, comprise your thoughts into words, images, concepts, something like that? Um, and, yeah, so that's just a question for listeners to start, to start you thinking about um, language and how we can link that to our consciousness and how we can link that to what we are thinking um, every day. So, Michael, you speak as I said, um, three languages, is that right? So do you want to just tell us just a bit about languages before we go into anything a wee bit further? Yeah, sure, sure, Paddy, you're giving a lot away there. Um, so, <laughs> a bit about languages, yeah, so I speak uh, English or whatever whatever we're speaking now, and uh, I also speak Spanish and Scottish Gaelic. And I dabble uh, in general. So that's that's sort of the experience that, I, that I'm sort of trying to bring to this. Um, but as you sort of allude to around sort of words and, and images and, and how they relate to our thoughts, I suppose I sort of wanted to t- chat to you a wee bit about this because of the name of your podcast in the first place. So the the, the idea of thoughts not spoken, um, I find that very interesting and I sort of uh, wanted to relate it to a little bit about sort of what I would think about around language and, um, and thought and consciousness probably as well. Okay, so, so when you say consciousness... Um... Like go into a wee bit further about what you're thinking there. Is that, is that sort of if if we have consciousness and we speak about what we have in our consciousness, is that our thought, or or do we keep some stuff away and don't say it? Does that make sense? Yeah. So so we being people. Yeah. Um, I presume I'm presuming you're you're asking. Uh, Rather than just me and you, Paddy, you know. Of course, um, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> as as people, uh, yeah. So we're we're obviously, I mean, we're, we're it's it's subjective because you know we're we're the ones self-analyzing. Um. So we we come with our own bias, I suppose. Um. So so as so as we sort of think about our own consciousness, um. You know, we, we might look around us to animals, for example, um, our pets, children, maybe. Um, you know, and, and we see different levels of consciousness, even in adults. Um, you know, we might we might say what, what, whether someone is very conscious of what they're doing, for example, um, or what they're saying. Um, but I suppose what I mean fundamentally by consciousness when I when I use that word in this case is an awareness that that you are, an awareness that you exist, sort of self-awareness, 
self-consciousness um, words like ego are used sort of in uh, philosophy and psychology to sort of define uh, what, what I'm talking about here so um, yeah very good and that's good that's good I like it and so you said you speak Spanish and Scottish Gaelic I remember when we were in Mexico together and you were speaking Spanish to the natives or Mexicans and natives I should really say um, <laughs> I asked you like do, do, you, do you think in Spanish or do you think in English and then translate it in your head um, yeah. do, you want, do you want to just tell us a wee bit about how, how your brain works when you're speaking in Spanish or speaking in Gaelic and not your native tongue yeah, so my, my brain, or probably I'd more refer to it as a mind or, or a consciousness. So my, so, so the way I think, uh, I'm not sure because I only have my own experience. Um, but when I speak in other languages, I speak in a very natural sort of, uh, you use the word native. Um, <laughs> I speak in a very sort of in a way that's very similar to the way native speakers would speak. So when I speak in Spanish, uh, you know, people who speak Spanish and fluent Spanish speakers say things like uh, in Mexico, for example, they would have said, oh, you're from Spain. <laughs> I'm like, no. Uh, and, you know, when Spanish people have said to me, oh, you're from Mexico, aren't you? <laughs> so. It's quite strange, and and in Gaelic, people would say, "Oh, you're from Uist here." You know, if you're in, if I'm speaking here in Harris, they would say, "Oh, you're from Uist." And I'm like, "No, no, I'm not." <laughs> and so, so I speak in a in a way that's you know approaching a native, the way a native person speaks. So, I, I'm not sure exactly why that is, um, but uh, coming back to your original question about whether I think in that language i suppose that's not the framework under which i think about thinking and the way i think about uh language and speech so i don't think i think in any language probably i, I probably just think in thought abstractly in, in concepts or and or images um, and then whenever i want to communicate with someone like I'm communicating with you, uh, with you just now. Then I then I have to try and transform that thought into into words, into language. And along with that comes a structure that whatever language I'm using has conventions, um, meanings, double meanings, um, idioms. You know, mm -hmm. links between words. Um, etymology so that means like the roots where words come from so you know words evolve and come from different roots and um, and they have different links in different languages uh so english is quite a strange example because it's a mix um of different roots um but the, the relationships that they have are almost are subconscious even in the language you know and most most users of the language aren't aware you know of of those links but they exist and they inform a certain connection between different concepts and different thoughts so, okay, so and, and i and i think that's probably accurate that thoughts are in reality separate from language but 
that's certainly the argument I would make anyway. Yeah, and so so how you think, um, may be based on, uh, what your language is because of how that structures your thoughts. Right. Correct. I suppose that's that's the point I'm driving at really. Um. So I, I mean I I use I use an example probably to sort of make it clearer if that. Perfect. If yeah. that helps, I mean, there, there is a little example that I've thought about. So, uh, I chose the example of hunger, of saying, you know, I'm hungry. And the reason I chose that was because hunger is sort of linked to knowledge in a very deep way related to, 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 to thinking and knowing things and, mm-hmm. and consciousness. And, and so, so if, if you, so if, if you're hungry and you have something to eat, then that's great. But if you know how to get something to eat, then that sort of like solves hunger forever. So that's just sort of a little a little aside. Um, so I chose hunger. So so in English we say I am hungry. And um so we use the verb to be, which is an irregular verb. Um in English of course, so so we say I am hungry. So the hunger is what I am. It's part of my being. Mm-hmm. Um, when I am it, so my being can change in English. Yeah. So I can be hungry and I can be satisfied, yeah. and that's part of what I am or who I am. Or it's quite a it's quite a strong association, I would say. Uh, when we compare that to Spanish. In Spanish, we say uh, tengo hambre. So tengo is part of the verb tener, which is to have. So, so, so literally in English, tengo hambre means I have hunger. So having hunger uh, is, is rather different, a rather different concept. And it's slightly further removed, perhaps, from the being. It depends also how we interpret these things, but there is, a, I think, there is a not not only a subtle difference, but a, a real difference in how someone who speaks Spanish might feel or act when they're hungry. For example, we have hangry even in English, mm-hmm. um, for example. So that's that's interesting, and um, whereas no such association exists. In Spanish that I'm aware of. Um, and so Gaelic, then it's uh, so in Gaelic, in Scottish Gaelic, it's antacris um, arum. So that's slightly more complicated again, probably. Gaelic is a very idiomatic language um, and one that uses a lot of association. So literally, and the word order is also different. So. So ha and takris arum literally means is the hunger on me. Mm. So literally, but but slightly paraphrasing in, in English, um, hunger is upon me, or hunger is on me, um, and that then is is sort of perhaps another step removed again. Or at least the the relationship is different to to hunger. It's it, it's it's upon the person, so it's separate from. So the concept of being hungry 
it's 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 separate from the person but yet over them and maybe weighing them down in some way um so because that's that creates an image in the mind of course so with all all of the ways that we approach this the concept of hunger in these three different languages they create different images in the mind and in the psyche and in the consciousness of the person who says i'm hungry tengo hambre or antakrasaram so i think that will affect their consciousness and will affect their thoughts about their state of being when they're hungry yeah yeah i'm with you um just to go further into the point of i guess hunger being an important part of our heritage of what came before us i guess in terms of evolution and mm. um, if we look back towards uh, hunting gathering times you know uh do you want to just talk a wee bit about the difference between having food and I guess, learning how to get food. Sure. So, uh, so if we go, so if we go into that sort of hunter gathering idea, um, and that, you know, we've, we've in some way evolved or at least changed, um, in our social setting, if nothing else, um, over time, humanity and different civilizations, different groups, uh, laterally nations, have uh, you know have have evolved different ways of speaking. You know, languages uh, can be related to each other in in different ways, and that sort of that communication, that ability to communicate, um linked to perhaps increasing awareness and intelligence um, and co consciousness, I would say, I would come back to that word always and, and thought. And so as we, over our evolutionary history, uh, developed a greater awareness, more complex thought, more complex social interactions, as we get into becoming bigger groups, bigger group sizes and more specialization perhaps, um so that higher level tool use um farming obviously you know that, that higher level of complexity of life where it's not just about going down to the river and and, and getting a drink suddenly there's a complex mm. mechanism that you turn in order to have water appear out of it in some ways it's simpler in some ways it's more complex but certainly as complexity arises, language is required to keep up. But also, perhaps, language acts as a stimulus to increasing complexity. So as structures evolve in a language and speech becomes more complex, perhaps that sort of snowballs into greater complexity of thought. So it's almost like an aid to our thought, I find I think it would be extremely complicated if we were to remain only in thoughts and images mm -hmm. in our own heads and not be able to express that 
in speech, in language, in order to understand our thoughts more fully, clarify them perhaps, crystallize them, make them more uh, concrete, um, and then perhaps be able to work with them. So, for example, trying to do, you know, long division in your head, it's not, it's not going to end very well for you probably. But if you have a piece of paper and can write that down in a language, in a mathematical language, um, you're able to deal with it and process it and get through the complexity and come to an answer. So, so I think in some ways language then therefore drives processing complexity and perhaps further, perhaps further complexity in, in the future. So I think it was probably part of that social evolution at least um, that we've sort of experienced in the past 10,000 plus years. So. Mm. And so yeah. you you allude to to the idea of, um, without words, without communication, without being able to write something down, language, and um, that your thoughts are, uh, not clear, jumbled up, I guess, and. It's I think I find that quite interesting. So. If you look at um, I guess freedom of speech and if you've if you have a thought in your head if you have a, a sinister thought in your head for example and mm. um, you can't get arrested for that it's not it's not a, a, a crime to be uh, sinister within your own head and yet if you act on that by speaking out or by I guess using body language and emotion then that can lead to a consequence of uh, being arrested in the example I've, I've given. Um, so without freedom of speech and without the ability to communicate whatever we're feeling, our thoughts become um, tangled within our head. Would that, would that be a fair assumption? A fair um, grouping uh, of, of what you're saying? Yes, uh, I, I suppose the, the the freedom of speech issue per, perhaps curtailing speech in some ways uh, might curtail thought, mm -hmm. uh, associated thought or otherwise. So, I mean, we so we. I, I like to be careful of what I say. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't always succeed. Um. At all, um, and sometimes I think something, and I and I just go, yeah, that might not be the best thing to say, but at the end of the day, I've thought it, <laughs> so I'm just so I'm just going to say it, um, and that's probably my attitude. That's that's not a very well thought through attitude. It just probably is my attitude. Um, so when it comes to freedom of speech and freedom of thought, uh, I I probably try and be as free as I can for myself. I I I'm not sure if you were talking more, uh, you know, on a societal level, and. Um, if if you're if you're going more societal with it, um, 
I suppose you could, you know, I mean, thought police <laughs> is, is, is a term that's used. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for good reason, because if, if you do control what's being said, if you control the narrative, so if you control what's being said, I think there's strong evidence that you can control what's being thought inside, inside everyone's head. Um, so you control the language that's used. You're controlling the structures that are available to people in which to think. Um, so there's a scary thought. Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so um, if, if we think about modern society and I have a quote from a lawyer which, which says, conversation was invented by humans to conceal reality. And I don't know, I, I, I thought it was maybe going against what you're saying and saying that our, our conversation, our language, what we, what we say is used to, for selfish desires to manipulate other people by deceit and lying and I guess going away from what you're thinking and trying to implant your, what you're saying into someone else's brain. So by me lying, I am causing um, someone else to act in a different way. And I find that quite interesting. I don't know if you have anything else to share on that, but yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is definitely interesting. Um, and <laughs> it, it probably, I do have some thoughts on it, obviously. <laughs> it, it probably does lead us, uh, you know, on <laughs> to to sort of more complex topics or thoughts, but yeah, you've brought it up, so I'll I'll go for it. Um, So your quote is, conversation is invented to conceal reality, or is a human invention to conceal reality? If I got that right, yeah? Yeah, perfect, perfect. Mm. So the, the, the most important word for me in that question is not about conversation um but in the reality in the word reality um and i i would say probably that we're all telling ourselves a story stories of course are told in languages um and the language that we use in the story that we tell ourselves constructs our version I would say of reality and that you know we're, we're all bound by by structures there's no one who has grown up free we all learn our language from our mothers and fathers and others um, so the, the the sort of the the truth how, how do we get to the truth or the reality behind all of this um, and it's a question of freedom, I suppose you're talking about. You've you've touched on freedom of speech there, and that sort of led you into this this quote about being concealed or things being concealed or being deceived. Mm-hmm. Um, and and a lot of this comes out of or is related to at least uh, to a philosophy called the philosophy of freedom. 
Um, and when we take thought, so when we take sort of pure thought, i.e. the concept itself, we remove language and, and we remove stories, therefore. I, I would argue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, of course, I can only communicate this in a language and through stories. <laughs> so we're slightly trapped, but it, it's something that each of us can only do for ourselves. Therefore, it's not something I think that can be taught or written down, although certainly the Bible, for example, um, I believe is trying to do that, is trying to teach it and write it down in a story, in language, through language, through through the word um, of God in order to get to get to God um, or for him to come down and reach us, perhaps. Um, the, the, the point there, I would say, is that when the thought uh, is thought about <laughs> without a language, then I think we're starting to get towards what reality really is, at least as an individual. And I think that happens inside oneself um, in, in, of course, the Christian tradition, the biblical story, this is the Holy Spirit coming and being inside um, the person. So I, I suppose that's that would be my answer to your question of reality and, um, and, and deception or concealment of it mm -hmm. through conversation. Of course, it happens on, on many other levels, but, um, you know, politically, for example, it's it's in some ways all around us um, and, and many of us partake in it without we're all guilty I'm sure of partaking in manipulation and trying to convince to our own for our own ends um but I, but I, I probably think that the fundamental level is is for me at least is the one that that I just spoke about so yeah perfect um and we find ourselves, I guess, back to where we started because we started with a thought and we decided to talk about that here in the podcast and that leads us to another thought and, and so on and so forth and we get stuck in this loop. And well, yeah. Well, I'd, I'd hope it's a productive, productive loop um, and it's good to think about these things and I, I think definitely the the conversation or the back and forth um, we've had just now uh, certainly has helped to clarify some of the thoughts that, that I have and um, I hope they will for you too and, and hopefully your listeners. Yeah, perfect. Um, I think I think we'll call it there before we go before we go too deep <laughs> and, and really really stretch our listeners <laughs> but yeah um, so I guess we've kind of figured out roughly where our thoughts were by speaking about them and that's the point we're trying to get across and I hope you have enjoyed listening to this um, whoever is out there and 
if you have a thought that you would like to speak about, um, please get in contact through thoughtsnotspoken at yahoomail.com. So yeah, thank you very much and I'll see you next week.